Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This crowd rises to its feet. But Carl slammed it home. Garland left wing, three ball. Perfect. Garland one of the lane, locked. The Mobley, pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Chase Down is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. The Cleveland Cavaliers have won their first road opener since the year 2000. Since Y2K was a thing, since it was a concern. Oh my goodness. I thought the uh, the opening night woes were inevitable that this was going to be another game where, where the Cavs just aren't able to pull it off. Similar to last year against the Toronto Raptors, but Donovan Mitchell with the game-winning three-point shot. Joining me today to discuss the Cavs getting the first win of the year is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Justin. Donovan Mitchell, he's a bad man. <laughs> he is a bad man indeed. The Cavaliers... Pull away with the win. It looked like it was going sideways. It looked like it was going to be another one of those heartbreaker season openers that we were going to have to find all the fun stuff to pull out of kind of a, a kind of a downer start to the year. And instead, the Cavaliers in, uh, pulled it off and uh, and locked down uh, at, at the end of the game. Donnie hit some timely shots after a pretty kind of nondescript first three quarters. And Cavaliers start the season one and oh and we don't have to apply any grains of salt to this one this was fun you know what's really funny about the the night that donovan mitchell had we we just finished listening to the uh bally's broadcast he talked about how he felt like he left quite a bit on, on the table offensively and i felt the same way it's kind of funny to look at the the stat line it almost feels like lebron and, and, you know, this is high praise, the, as high praise as I can give, where it's like, I don't really feel like, you know, you had the best game. And he still went out there and had 27 points, six assists, five rebounds, four steals, a block, shot, you know, 11 of 21 from the field, over 50% from the field, 
Like, the, he's just such a special talent. Uh, he scared the living hell out of me in the first quarter where uh, he landed awkwardly and was kind of rolling around on the ground in pain for a half second and, and then got up and, and seemed to shake it off. <laughs> also, Allo LeBron James. Um, but, you know, he, he's a really special talent. And, you know, um, as the game was kind of coming down prior to him having the big fourth quarter and really making an impact during that time, it's one of those games where you sit there and you're like, you know, as much as this rotation is improved, obviously down uh, one of your all-stars in, in Jared Allen, uh, but as much as this rotation is improved, you still do need Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell uh, to, to be special, and neither had been to that point. And for Mitchell to step up when he did in the big moment was exactly what you needed to see to, to get this win. Yeah, obviously the, the three-pointer is going to get the press because uh, it was a game winner and it was a really nice shot. But I thought the steal and and dunk uh, was probably more important in terms of kind of kind of ripping the game back into the Cavs' control. Mm -hmm. um, we 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 got to see you know Struess who I, we're going to talk about Struess, believe it or not. Uh, but we we got to see Struess also make one of those plays, getting a block on a jumper and drawing a foul in transition. But yeah, that play from Donovan was just a superstar play. I think we always forget how fast his hands are in the defensive end of the ball. I think he had four steals tonight. And uh, again, it was just an awesome way to close out opening night and makes you glad you have Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Cause yeah. uh, even if he isn't having an awesome game, it doesn't stay mediocre for long with that guy. Yeah. And yeah, I just saw the replay of him rolling around on the ground. God, that was scary. Um, yeah. That but scared me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I wish that every time we uh, go over to Brooklyn, we didn't have to count on a game winning three pointer uh, to, to bail out the Cavs. Uh, but the Nets are an interesting team. It, it was part of uh, even though we didn't spend a lot of time on it uh, on yesterday's podcast. Part of the reason we were interested in this matchup was this is a very good defensive team. They have or at least they have very good defensive personnel. And for the Cavs to be trying to implement their new style against a team that has a lot of length, that really switches well, um, it, and has you know a top ten defensive player in Nick Clacks, and um, this was a good test uh, for them, especially without Jared Allen. And I thought there was at times uh, where the Cavs really could have been better in attacking those switches. I, I think Evan Mobley in particular uh, could have been more aggressive and assertive in attacking those switches whenever they did occur. Um, and Donovan Mitchell, I, I thought he wasn't as potent against the switches as well, but, uh, overall, you know, th this is a really good win to get, uh, the, the fact that we now have two back-to-backs in the next six days, uh, you, you wouldn't want to be going into that 0-1 and, and, you know, in a position where you might have to dig yourself out a hole. I don't really expect Jared Allen to play in the next two games either. And, and those are going to be tests against teams that looked very good in their openers as well in the Oklahoma city thunder and, Indiana Pacers so getting this win is significant hopefully you know you get a little bit of home cooking get some guys that didn't play as well in this game to step up but one of the guys that really stepped up and credit to you Carter you, you said on the last podcast that you wanted to see Isaac Okoro uh get the start in this matchup and Isaac Okoro man he he came out with a Bruce Brown type performance tonight he was awesome um really attacking in space we talked about the fact that this is a guy who had been asked to be the 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 second or third best spacer on the floor a lot of the time we talked about the way that he might get a little bit more freedom 
in 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 this kind of new look, better spaced Cavs reality. And he really showed that. I think one of my biggest gripes with Isaac were how many games you would see him play where you're looking at the box score and he'll it would be twenty eight minutes and four points on five shot attempts, one assist, two rebounds, and you know, like you just it's just really hard in the modern NBA to have a guy who's not outputting in the box score. And that certainly is not what he did tonight. No, no, he didn't. And it was one of the things that we saw in the preseason, obviously, even when he's out there with ball handlers, he's being used as the trigger man for the offense above the break. And I liked it in, in the first quarter, especially, you know, using him in the double drags, using him as a screener more. I thought that was something that got away from a little bit too much in the second half where he wasn't being used as much as a screener. I'd like to see a little more consistency, but you expect that, you know, when part of what we want to see in this early stretch uh, of the season is, okay, all these new things that you're trying to implement, are you going to maintain that? Are you going to maintain your, your stylistic changes when the pressure is on, when you're down and, and do you go back to old habits, right? So that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on, but I love seeing him use that way because we've talked about it in the past. Like he is someone that sees the floor really well when, when he's attacking downhill and when he's attacking from above the break rather than the corner, he has more of the floor to work with. He's able to use the angles better. Uh, there's more passing options here. You're not dealing with, all right, three feet to the right is the baseline. And, and that part of the floor is like an extra defender on him. Right. So, um, you know, for him to go out 18 points, six rebounds, he talked about how that's a point of emphasis for him. Love seeing that 18 rebounds from him and Max Struess tonight. That's what you want to see. You want to see that kind of team effort, especially with Jared Allen out, uh, four assists, two steals, one block, two of four from three. Um, and like you said, the increased pace really, really benefiting him. Like, this is the type of system where you can see a, a player like Isaac Okoro having an impact in the minutes that he has. I swear, he still gets a rough whistle, though. Five five fouls, including uh, uh, including uh, one offensive foul where he did he kind of set a little too hard of a screen. But, you know, like, I, I, I just felt like he played a very free game. The open floor really suited him. He drew more free throws than any other Cavalier. He, he drew half of their the team's free throws, which... You know, we can talk about ten free throw attempts for the for the Cavs in their opener. I think that's one of the things you can point at as a as one of the few problems the offense had. You know, mm-hmm. uh, on a night where I was overall pretty darn pleased with their offensive output. Um, but yeah, Isaac was great. He was really, really great. And if he's going to play like this, he is going to get heavy minutes in the rotation. I mean, we talked about how, in some ways, that his rotation spot could be in jeopardy a little bit. Not that. Not that he would fall out, but that he would have more, you know, seven to ten minute nights when it's yep. not looking good. The inverse on nights like tonight, it's like, how can you not play him thirty plus minutes? Uh, because I thought he was really crucial for this team on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, the the reality is he's going to have to earn those minutes, right? There is depth, there is competition for these minutes, and uh, you know, for him to not shrink under that pressure, for him to step up. Uh, for him to, you know, miss two threes. Uh, one was kind of a, a forced nine one one three at the end of the shot clock, and then another he he kind of rushed and, and airballed the three, but he didn't kind of shrink in the moment when he got it in the corner later uh, in the fourth quarter when they really needed a bucket to stay in touch with the Nets and keep the possibility of 
someone like Donovan Mitchell going out there and hitting the game winner. For him to hit that three, I, I thought showed a lot of cojones. Uh, I, I just really like it. I, I think this is the type of performance from Isaac O'Coral that you need to see. Um, th- this kind of activity. Maybe he'll miss some shots uh, in other games. and But if he's out there and he's giving you the assists, he's giving you the steals, he's giving you the blocks, he's giving you the rebounds, it is easier to justify his minutes out there because we've seen JB, and tonight's a great example of that. JB often will ride Karras because, you know, he's going to go out there. He'll at least give you some playmaking, right? Like on a night like tonight where he didn't shoot the ball well, five assists, zero turnovers. He is going to give you defensive activity because he's so long. Um, so you're able to kind of ride the wave when it comes to his offensive output. If you have someone like Isaac Okoro that's going to be assertive out there offensively and contribute in all those ways, it's easier when you need, okay, we just need someone with length that can give us stops. Now you can get your elite point of attack defender out there in those instances where maybe you would have gone to Karras in the past because he's at least bringing other things to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also kind of nice, obviously, the minutes get a little crunchier when Jarrett's back and they're playing two bigs. Like you kind of go back to some of those spacing problems, but I do think this was a good bellwether for his ability to be a consistent contributor with these bench lineups when uh, Mobley and Allen are being staggered. So uh, ultimately just a really, really awesome game for Isaac. And I think we have to look at his, his fellow front court mate here in Max Truce next to, one of the best debuts in Cavaliers history, fair to say? Um, it certainly was better than the Antoine Jameson one. I, I, will say. <laughs> I, I saw someone on Twitter call it the reverse Jameson, <laughs> which <laughs> yes. shouts to our boy. Uh, whoever said that, thank you for being a sicko just like me. The, the fact that our minds went there. there there's too much Cavs lore in my mind. Uh, Carter, what do you think I'm going to say? Shot. Uh- quality i i i hate that we're doing this in post game and i'm not able to nerd out over the metrics and stuff like this but max Struess was getting some great looks and it's like this is what we were hoping for right the activity is obviously great the fact that he's out there getting those rebounds crashing the glass competing on defense uh that sequence at the end of the game where he got the block and, and then ran out in transition and, and drew the free throws that's great to see but to start off the game I love that you're seeing him out there being willing to pull those threes when he's not open because that's what he's used to. He's used to taking shots against late closeouts or even, you know, when a guy is close but doesn't have the hand up, he's willing to take and make that shot. That's what he had a steady diet of in Miami the last two years where he was in the fourth percentile in terms of how open his looks are. But playing with Darius Garland, playing with Donovan Mitchell, playing with Evan Mobley and all these other guys... He's playing with so much playmaking talent and there's so much movement and pace in this offense. He's getting some of the best looks that he's had. And that was one of the things he talked about post game was just the quality of three point shots he had. And it was one of the reasons why I think you could have some level of confidence that he was going to shoot a better percentage for the season. Um, He's still going to have games where he misses. He's not an elite, elite type Clay Thompson shooter from the three-point line, but the gravity he has, his ability to be in the right spots, just how intelligent he is as an overall offensive player, I think impresses me the most because the three-point shooting we know, but this is a guy that that is a very complete offensive player that competes on the defensive end as well. 
Yeah, uh, he was just awesome tonight. And these were not fourth percentile level open looks. These were this this was hard work uh, for for the Nets to to contain him. You know, the Cavs have so much on ball dynamicism that the Heat last year just didn't have. And you you kind of could just stick on Struess and and find your help elsewhere because you you didn't need to help as hard. Or you know, most of his looks were coming off you know dho's and things like that whereas he's just getting a lot of wide open threes in semi-transition uh off penetration off broken plays he got a couple layoff layups back cutting when teams tried to top lock him and 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 keep him from coming off those pin downs i i just thought it was a really complete offensive game for them him and then on the defensive end 12 rebounds was really really important on a night where Mobley did not have his best night uh, no. against this Nets team. And I think Claxton is a tough matchup for him. We'll get to that one later. But I thought if if he doesn't get those 12 boards, if he's not gang rebounding, because it's not like it was just like he, him cleaning the glass and being dominant. It was just, you know, doing his job and making sure he was in a position to grab those boards. And if he wasn't doing that, I think probably the result of this game is a little different. So just an awesome game for Struess. A really exciting start to to his tenure as a Cavalier, and you you kind of see the vision, man. You you see the vision, and you see why both of us felt like this team's offense was going to be really good because Darius did not have a good first three quarters, or he didn't. Well, he had an okay first quarter, and then it kind of fell off. Donovan, I don't think had a good fir- first three quarters, uh, and when without Jarrett. Uh, on the floor, then you're kind of like in, in past games that Cavs are just doomed. Yeah. And, and the fact that you can have Struess and Okoro kind of help carry the load on the offensive end to that degree. I, I just don't think that was something the Cavs had in their, in their tool belt last year. Yeah. And having a guy like Max Struess that he is willing to crash the glass, having Isaac Okoro being willing to crash the glass, right? Those are the type of things that we talked about how the Cavs, can address you know some of the shortcomings that they had in that Knicks series was you know it a lot of focus was on you know Mobley and Allen in that particular matchup but a lot of that came from like the shooting guard position with Josh Hart it came from RJ Barrett and all these other guys and when you have that gang rebounding and everybody is committed to it as a team like even Garland and Mitchell coming in there and, and poking balls to, to teammates right like you can tell that that is a point of emphasis and uh, for them to, you know, not really lose the offensive rebound battle by that much. I, I think it was 13 to nine uh, on a night where you didn't have Jared Allen, uh, who still is your best defensive rebounder on the team. Um, that's to me, it's a win. It's an encouraging sign. And for Max to get the type of looks that he had um against this matchup in particular where they do have so much length. They have so many guys that switch and switch well and communicate those switches to that's the type of defensive personnel you would think that would mitigate his effectiveness to move around and get those good looks. And they still were able to generate those looks. So that's one of those things that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on because, you know, that's going to continue to open up possibilities. And we talked about how good offensively the Mobley Allen lineups were last year uh, with basically every combination with the exception of two. The fact that you can now slot Max Struess in there that's going to open the spacing up for those lineups so much more. And it's going to do so even more in the one big lineups. And if 
small ball Coro is an option you can go to in, in those minutes and pair him with Max Struess, that is really interesting to me. And, and I think that is something that I expect to explore is the Struess-Okoro big man lineup, whether it's Mobley or Allen. I think we're going to see a fair amount of it this season, especially if Okoro continues to play the way that he does. Absolutely, man. And uh, I and I think the other thing that we really do need to talk about on the team-wide thing before we kind of keep jumping through individual players is the Cavs won the math problem, my friend. Oh 43 three-point attempts to the Brooklyn's 27. I don't have the stat in front of me how many games the Cavs took at least 16 more threes <laughs> than their opposition. But if I were to guess, I would say zero. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's a pretty safe guess. And, you know, part of that, the math problem cuts back the other way, right? Like everything is a double-edged sword and you're going to get fewer free throw attempts as a result of that. Personally, I didn't love the balance in the first half. I thought the second half, it, it did even out. Um, but Cavs also didn't do a great job of, you know, putting themselves in position to draw free throws. Uh, you know, uh, avoiding contact at times. Some of the, you know, but, I, I some of them, you know, like Cam Thomas wrapping his arm around a Coro and grabbing his butt. Like, if that I was can ridiculous. stop you from complaining about the refs in a win, Justin. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just saying, uh, like, as Cavs fans, we do actually need to kind of get prepared for that because you are going to get to the line less if you are taking so many three pointers, and, and that's something that you know we're going to need to be aware of. Um, but yeah, that, win, winning the math problem is, is a very fun and new feeling for us, for sure. And what's nice about it is the road to doing so is just easier. You know, we talked a lot about how, um, I think one of the reasons we harp one thing I don't think either of us have uh, talked about e- even privately is being grumpy with Darius for not getting up enough threes. And he only took five tonight. And one of the reasons why we were so hard on Darius whenever he didn't shoot a ton of threes last year is because he was our, like, if he and Donovan didn't combine for at least 18 attempts, we probably weren't crossing the 33 threshold. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you just have a guy like Struess, who's going to get up 13 shots and even Niang getting three up in his 20 minutes and Levert taking eight and Okoro taking four. You, you, it's just so much easier to get to that 40-ish number. Um, you're, you're, you're completely on the money, man. Like There are so much more shooting help. There's so much shooting support around, and it's quality support. It's support that's as good as the support we get from Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe, Zoom how the world connects. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Justin, I knew I, I should have known because you were being way too earnest in your compliments of me. <laughs> I, I, I sensed an excitement in your voice, and I actually privately was like, man, he really liked that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like the obvious point of, you know, they added some shooting talent. Yeah, I, I was just completely blown away by your insights, Carter. Oh, thanks, buddy. 
<laughs> one of the additions that didn't have as strong of a game uh damian jones uh they really struggled in those damian jones minutes in the first half and um, on both ends of the floor both ends of the floor yeah i, I think the timing was off I, I think he was pressing at times and i i feel like he settled in a little bit more he had a good shift in the third quarter so i'll give him credit for that but yeah it, it, those minutes really were kind of one of the the contributing factors that that kept uh brooklyn in the game or got them back into the game i should say um you know you don't want to go overboard with that some of this is timing and getting comfortable within the offense but uh yeah definitely had a a tough first half better third quarter um but it was one of those things and i messaged you on the side during the game i'm like i can't believe we're already at the point where i'm messaging you saying if only dean were healthy because I, I think you would have gone small ball five with Dean in, in this matchup. But, you know, missing both Jarrett and, and Dean Wade um, was was tough in this one for sure. Well, I you know, on the Damian front, I think there is, it's you know, he kind of got caught in no man's land a little bit on defense. Uh, he either was sagging too far in the drop or being a little too aggressive in the drop. And then on offense, you know, a couple offensive fouls. Uh, that that were tough and you know that's just gonna happen I think he's gonna have games where he feels really good and there's gonna be games where he just doesn't do so well that's kind of where he is in the in the Cavs rotation and you got to be okay with that I do want to give JB a little credit because he trotted out a George Niang at the five lineup (laughs) where the Cavs played two three zone and I honestly I think it helped them hold the line in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think they even made up a little ground in that lineup i don't i don't have the numbers in front of Dude, me uh, honestly but... i was going i was going to message you when that happened i was like yang at the five and before i could even send a message to you they were like plus seven in, in those minutes i was like okay never mind Do- dr claude in the chat just said the empty net hockey lineup <laughs> which <laughs> we might have we might have to take that one claw uh but you know it's funny because i i actually was pretty skeptical when i saw it. i was like man that's a that's a bit of a desperate move of you know they're gonna have space but they better score every possession because they're gonna give up a bucket on every possession but uh i i think it was a really smart read in the sense that it didn't really feel like it was damien's game and the nets happened to have a lineup out there and th- th- that's a team that has a lot of lineups that are not going to have a lot of rim pressure yeah and uh that was a particularly non-rim pressury lineup and i thought it was a really smart move and i really think it kept the Cavs in the game yeah uh yeah. when when they bought evan on just a little bit of rest down the stretch so uh ultimately i thought it was a really kind of a ballsy call like i i didn't have niang at the five uh, on my bingo card for the for this one but and i don't think you're going to see that often, especially when the team's healthy. But even with Jared out, I don't think you're going to see that often. But it was nice to see them kind of identify a lineup where like, hey, we can steal a few minutes here. We don't have to go to Damien, who, you know, kind of struggled in his in his time on the floor. And we can just we can just roll some shooters and and and, and keep a shell. Yeah. And, and not only did it give Mobley some time, it also gave JB the, the chance to sit Garland for a little bit and, and calm him down because uh i i think garland had a good first half but second half you you could tell like he he was lackadaisical at times a little loose with the ball a few too many careless turnovers uh jb in his post-game press conference mentioned that you know they are asking uh, it's a big ask from him where he didn't play in in the last preseason game uh obviously has been dealing with a little bit of the hamstring thing so uh conditioning isn't necessarily there yet he it's going to take him a little bit of time to ramp up here and 
I expect that to be the case with Jared Allen, where you're going to have to play him in spurts and rest him when he does come back. Um, but, you know, giving Darius that little bit of a rest, going to the zone, having Yang out there, and I think you're correct in pointing out that the Nets didn't have a lot of guys that were going to pressure the rim in that time. Um, that that was, you know, it, it's a bold move, but it, it goes to show how much he kind of trusts it, uh, trust the depth that he have. And this is already game one. We have an example of having levers to pull where there just wasn't options to go to when they were reached the postseason last year. Having the ability to at least get funky and try something like this out, I, I think deserves a lot of credit. And you know what? I I do want to say um, we I, I feel like we were a little hard on Damian Jones um, in his first half minutes. Niang had a bit of a tough start to this game, too. I thought, you know, I do like him pulling up in transition, but one of them was... Some oh, of those were, whoo! Yeah, that like, was there, deep. There was nobody in rebounding position deep and, and not, like, the cleanest look. Uh, he also ended up on an island uh, against Cam Thomas a few too many times. I actually would have liked to see JB go back to Isaac Okoro sooner in that second quarter um, because this Cam Thomas going off, this isn't one of the things where you and I talk about open shooting luck where you know uh the percentage they hit on their open looks was, was absurd or whatever cam thomas got put on an island or ended up on an island with uh, george niang frequently and he was able to generate good looks find a rhythm and when you get someone that is as explosive as cam thomas into a rhythm it's really hard to take them out of that rhythm it's similar to what happened with max Struess on the other side um so i i i do think that that at least needs uh, to, to be brought up because Cam Thomas was awesome in this game. Like uh, when Jeez. that guy gets going, he is one of the most fun scores. I, I just wanted him to do it less against us. It's it's I, what a weird career that guy's going to have. He's going to, he's going to play three years in the league, averaging like 38 points a game and in, in, <laughs> in games he scores, he plays at least 20 minutes. I, I don't, I, you know, you, you there clearly there's some stuff he's doing outside of scoring that drives his coaches a little crazy. Cause like, when he's on, it's just bananas. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the the scoring talent is just is just unheralded, so or, or unmatched. So I definitely he kept them in the game. I think it was the game was veering towards blowout territory early, and he just kind of went nuts. Uh, I mean, thirty six, and most of those were for the, through the first three quarters. So um, awesome game for him. All all credit due to him. Uh, but overall, I th- I do think that the Cavs did a pretty nice job. Uh, otherwise defensively on this mm-hmm. Nets team. I don't think they got killed in transition too much. Um, I thought Bridges, they did as good of a job as you're going to do on him. Uh, oh, not a ton of complaints. They, I, I thought their shot profile was okay. My only gripe, I will, I think we can move into a little Evan Mobley discussion here because yeah. I do not think this was his game. I don't think he played with a lot of force on the defensive end. I thought he gave up some weird soft fouls playing out of control uh, I thought that he, there were a couple possessions that he should have challenged a little harder that he didn't, where the Nets were kind of getting some uncharacteristic rim finishing. So I, I, I think the scheme was fine. I thought the execution in a few spots was was a little lacking, especially around the rim. Mm-hmm. But you know that's why we like him at power forward more. <laughs> yeah, I, I was about to say. Well, he's playing out of position defensively. Like I, I do think what makes him most special is when he's able to kind of roam it and you know be more than just kind of the last line of defense uh, w- when it comes to the Cavs overall team defense. And, you know, 
we're probably going to see when Jarrett's back, you know, a healthy mix of him at the five, just like we saw last year where the, the minutes are split pretty evenly. But asking him to be a full-time five, it, it is a big ask. And, um, you know, I, I thought this was a tough matchup for him and he struggled with it. Um, his primary way of attacking guys is usually to go over them. And Nick Claxton is one of those guys that you can't really go over a whole lot, right? Like uh, those turnaround jumpers are going to get blocked because a lot, all credit to him. I, I think Claxton is one of the best defenders in the league. He's spry. He's able to get up. He, he's long. Um, so Mobley, you know, when he does a turnaround jumper on Claxton and he hasn't initiated contact to throw off his timing as a shot blocker, you're going to get blocked. I like the time where he he caught it. I, I believe it was above the free throw line. He drove to the basket, put a shoulder into him, and finished kind of up and over. That's what you got to do in those kind of matchups. I, I thought there were individual plays where he was aggressive and, and assertive attacking on offense. But this is, you know... There were a couple I'm, of plays where he just kind of even went up soft, like when he had the ball with advantage in like semi-transition or something where like... If you like really squeeze the orange and finish with some some force, mm-hmm. you're going to do so. But instead, they were blocks or knockaways. I just yeah. I just don't think he played a very forceful game. Yeah, I I agree with that. And you know, I'm the reason I'm discussing the individual ones against Claxton was because to me that's interesting. You know, him going head to head against a, a great defender. He flat out needed to be better against the switches because Brooklyn will switch almost everything. And he had opportunities where, like you said, he just wasn't assertive enough in those spots. It's, you know, it's going to be a process. It's going to be, you know, give and take. This is part of why uh, in the last podcast I said this is what makes me angsty is, uh, you know, maybe people are going to put expectations too high. But I do expect, you know, him to be awesome for, for him to continue to take a step forward this year. I, I thought there there were individual plays and flashes within this game where, where he was really special and he was really assertive. And uh, there were times where he was really aggressive on defense as well. Um, I just can't wait for, for him to kind of be in that more normal balance where he is playing at the four. Uh, he's able to take advantage of going up against fours on both ends of the court and, and you know, doing what makes him so special as a help defender. Yeah, I, I think that that that's a spot on read. Should we talk about Karis a little bit before we talk and move into previewing uh, the rest of the week? Yeah, uh, you know, already mentioned before, you know, the the five uh, assists, zero turnovers. Um, he brought that to the table. I thought his defensive effort was really good, um, but the shot selection, man, like he he was he's taking a lot of shots, and he was taking shots when his legs weren't necessarily under him. Uh, he was pressing a little bit. I really liked what we saw from Karis in, in the preseason. Um, I don't know if, you know, this is uh, going up against his former team game one jitters or, or whatever the case may be. Like you are going to have these nights with Karis and, and you know, you, you're going to have to live with the results sometimes. But I do like that he contributed in other ways. One thing I'll say, I, just like they, uh, you know, sat Garland uh, to give him a chance to reset. I will probably would have gone back to Tydrome at some point, you know, just to have another two way guy out there that's going to take care of the ball. Um, and, and, you know, just give him the chance to have a little bit of a reset. I think when this team is healthier and you have Dean and you have Jared, uh, it's going to be easier to, like I said, go to Isaac Okoro in those moments. Um, but overall, you know, I, I thought he, he just w- was pressing too much. Like we, we didn't need necessarily that many shots. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm just not sure Karras played a, th- you know, played well enough to get 31 minutes tonight. You know, uh, 17 shots, much of those through for, through three quarters, um, one of nine from two point range. The Karras Levert uh, regression to the mean from two point range renaissance uh, must wait another day. Justin, it, it, uh, it's going to become even more stark now. Like you just have more on the <laughs> yeah. other side now. It's really going to be hot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, just some really rough finishing around the basket where he had really clean angles and just wasn't able to put the ball in the bucket. Uh, a couple, uh, that one you know, that touched every single, I like, know. square inch uh, of the rim five but, times was nuts. But that's, but frankly, like, you know, like not, you know, obviously not to, to dog him too hard. Cause like he is, way better than I will ever dream of being at anything uh at basketball but like that's also the amount the the spin you put on the layup when you put it up like that that should just needed to be a regular layup you didn't need that much English on the way on the way up so mm-hmm. like I, I I think some of that was some self-inflicted stuff uh a few of those mid-range jumpers like you know he's just got to make those too like I know he didn't always have his legs under him but those are shots that are kind of supposed to be his bread and butter that he didn't make last year uh and you know he didn't make tonight but has made pretty steadily over the course of his career so man i just really want to see that mid-range game bounce back because if if it does the three-point shot just feels so good right now three of eight from three from three and you know as i said to you uh before we went live normally four of 17 from the field with not a single free throw attempt does not result in just a minus six in the game so it's like he continues to do stuff that makes him helpful despite the stuff that's supposed to be his bread and butter not really being there. So, like, ultimately, I wouldn't say I'm encouraged because, you know, one of nine from two is not what you want. But, like, the playmaking was there, uh, you know, even in that fourth quarter. So even though the the shooting wasn't there, he found, you know, Struis on that cut. Uh, he, he he made some nice plays. Uh, hitting cutters to to get easy buckets for the Cavs when the offense was gumming up. Just got to make some of those shots, and I, I think he'd probably tell you the same. Yeah, make or miss league cup, buddy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I couldn't help but go to the cliche there. No, you're, you're completely right. I, I do like what he brings to the table. That, that dish to Damian Jones was a lot of fun. Um, so I, I, I have no doubt that the, those shots are going to fall. He, he does look more explosive out there, and I continue to be amazed, like, they brought up that he had shoulder surgery last summer. I feel like for us being sickos that are so plugged into the team, I don't know how that like escaped us. I, I consume just a disgusting amount of cast content. Uh, had no idea. Um, so, you know, him being healthy out there uh, is great to see. But we should probably transition to kind of look ahead. Cavs have four games in six days. I can't believe it. We got a back-to-back before we do our next podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. So, Carter, let's look ahead to OKC. What do you want to learn from that matchup? Um, I think I want to learn how much JB is going to play a guy like Isaac Okoro against an elite guard uh, in this new new reality. Is this going to be one of those Isaac, you know, as precluding foul trouble, is this going to be one of those Isaac plays 38 minutes? 
because they just match him with Shag and they, and they they see what they get on the offensive end or are they going to you know throw more bodies at him uh and and then at the on the front court side you know you talked about how Mobley tried to finish over uh over Claxton to to mix degrees well he certainly isn't going to finish over Chet Holmgren so figuring out the you know the 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 matchup of of the tall skinnies yeah. uh seems very very interesting uh to me how, how about you it is interesting. It, I'm disappointed that we don't have Jared Allen for two reasons. The first is because he's a very helpful player that has moved the needle more than almost anyone on the roster over the last couple of years. He's great. Love Jared. Get back. Feel better soon. The other half is it almost like I don't I don't know how I want to phrase this, but it, it almost lets JB off the hook to some extent where Isaac is going to be starting. And it's going to, like, he's going to be put on Shea to start the game. And it would have been really interesting to see in this matchup who would have guarded Shea if Jared wasn't hurt and, and if I Yeah, the question gets a little less interesting uh, in a, in a non-Jared world, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it is less interesting. And I would have been... I would have liked to see how quickly in the rotation you get Isaac in kind of how you find that balance. That That would have been really, really interesting to me. But But you're right, you know how many men's he plays, uh, what other looks they throw at him, if they mix in some zone like we we saw tonight, it is going to be interesting. Um, but it does tie into the player that I want to highlight in this matchup, which is the wing Jalen Williams, because I'm, I, I assume Max Struess is probably going to be on him, but he is such a talented secondary playmaker, and, and I'm just such a big fan of his game. I'm interested to see what they do defensively against him when you're allocating so much defensive resources and, and so much of your attention is on Shea Gilgis Alexander. I'm interested to see how they play against a team that has two dynamic large wing players, because that's going to be one of the questions for the cast. How do they defend Jalen uh, Brown and Jason Tatum? How are you going to defend Shea and Jalen Williams, right? Like those are the type of matchups that are going to test the Cavs in their perimeter defense. And I'm interested to see how they rise to that occasion. Yeah. And another interesting thing, just kind of box score hunting, they played 10 guys against the bulls. Well, they actually played 13 cause they, uh, they, they, they knocked them out and got to play Smoked their, them. their, their, their bench in, uh, in garbage time. But, uh, and, and, uh, all 10 of those guys played at least 10 minutes. So like they're going to be coming in relatively fresh. Um, they're going to, you know, they, that's a team that has more players than they know what to do with um due to the way Presti's built that team and uh it'll be kind of interesting you know seeing if if that extra depth really helps them especially if Dean Wade isn't back if the Cavs are kind of stuck playing an eight-ish man rotation yeah that's really really going to be interesting I really hope that Dean's back for that matchup because I I think that would actually make a big difference um and and then you know the the next game next night you're going to be playing a rested Indy on the second night of a back-to-back at least you're at home for both of those but that's tough, uh, especially when you're you're still getting into the swing of things and getting used to to playing regular season intensity and regular season minutes. Man, I, what I want to see from that matchup is just how they're able to hold up defensively because we're assuming that there's no Jared Allen in that matchup. Uh, Indy just has so many guys that can pull from three. They play with such pace. Um, e- even though the Cavs want to play up tempo, you still don't want to you know lose control of the game and. and in a situation where you're not dictating uh the flow of the game so 
how they're able to play defensively. And, and again, I, I think the answer, what you're going to do with Tyrese Halliburton is pretty easy. Isaac Okoro is going to be on him. So the, the mystery is gone from that one. But I, that, that's one of the things I'm looking at with that matchup. What about you? Yeah, well, the, the quick trigger threes uh, keep coming and they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming. I mean, you, you have Halliburton and Matherin and Toppin and Brown and Turner in the starting lineup. All five of those guys shoot. And then you have Neesmith, uh, Nimhard, and Heald coming off the bench. Yeah. Like, like the the it's going to be really hard not to to feel like you're in a shootout. It doesn't. I feel like Indy the last over over the course of last year was a team that pretty consistently dragged the Cavs into their style. Yep. Uh, I think they're really really hard. Like that's one thing that's cool about that team is I feel like uh, they're Carlisle's their coach still, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like they just he's always been really great at that of just like kind of tricking you into playing his his game no matter what personnel he has and uh I, it'll be especially with the Cavs playing faster and trying to figure out how they want to play that way that one feels really dangerous i mean what i'm looking for is like are we going to hold them under 120 because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they blew the doors off the the wizards they scored 143 points in regulation tonight Jeez. That's insane. You know, it's surprising. I, I was curious to see, obviously, you know, uh, defensive rating for a single game. You can't read too much into it. But, you know, I, I felt like maybe it got out of control for the Cavs this year it, or this game uh, against Brooklyn. It was still just 113, which would have been about 10th uh, defensively last year. So um, that's that's not too bad. I'm I'm actually pretty happy with that in a matchup with, with no Jared Allen and um, you know, a, a talented Nets team, but Indy's going to be a real test, man. Indy's going to be a real, real test. What What's kind of a, a player or an individual matchup that, you, that you're interested in with that game? Well, Heald kills us every time, so I guess I'll pick Heald, but really it's it's the wider offense that scares me. I mean, I think they're going to shoot 40 to 53s uh, against us, and, um, you know, Toppin is a guy who I think does really well against us historically, uh, he attacks in transition. He seems really empowered there to play mm-hmm. in a way that it didn't kind of seem that he ever felt that empowered in New York under Thibodeau. Like that, that kind of felt like an oil and water ma- mix. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I'll go healed, but really it's, it's the wider offense that I'm like, I don't, and, and cause I, I don't really think there's any, you know, like Halbert's the head of the snake, but I think they kind of just play their, their ball, no matter what individual you really attack. To, to me, I'm going to go with the secondary playmaking guy again. And and for me, I'm interested what they do defensively against Bruce Brown. Uh, he had a great debut for Andy, just like Max Drews did. He was six of eight from three. And he's someone that's such a good connecting piece. And I feel like trying to limit what he does offensively is similar to what we saw with Josh Hart, uh, where this is just, you know, that guy that fills in all the gaps that, that gives you the extra playmaking that d- makes everyone else work. And what he's able to do as a passer and as a connector is going to lead to those three-point attempts and how quality those looks are. So I'm, I'm interested. Obviously, you know, you're, you're going to try to do what you can against Tyrese Halliburton. But I think by trying to limit Bruce Brown and who draws that assignment and how effective they are in that matchup, that's probably going to dictate how good the looks are for Andy and how effective they are in their three-point barrage. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really interesting game, and it's it's a bummer that they are going to have rest advantage um, 
or yeah. on, on that on that back to back and man i it sure feels like the Cavs are getting the tough ones out of the way from from a timing perspective i mean three games and four nights to start the year followed by a, a back-to-back you know two days off and then a back another back-to-back um against the team that knocked them out of the playoffs uh is is quite the start to the year my friend it, it truly is it we're gonna have a lot to talk about uh, i'm i'm excited to break down those games hopefully i'm hoping for a split frankly like i i would love that uh, if we could survive that w- w- with a split I, I think that would be a big win um you know rocket mortgage field house is just an incredible place uh to be for a game it's going to be so loud in there i i think that might be able to help carry them a little bit in these games so uh it, it'll be interesting to see what happens but buddy well and and for what it's worth sorry to sorry to cut you off a little bit but you really my do... closing cadence <laughs> yeah i noticed it and i wanted i just wanted to briefly mention you do want to come out of this stretch even though this opening stretch is hard uh, it is three of your first four games at home, and uh, and, and if you come out of those first game, you know if you get through this back to back and you split this one, uh, and you buy yourself a little space because after that first uh, leg uh, hosting the Knicks, you go pretty quickly into six out of seven road games, including a West Coast swing to start the year. So it's a tough schedule, man. And again, it's probably worth just continuing to note that every freaking game is hard because the league is bananas talented right now. So uh, you you just got to take care of the ones that are in front of you. And, you know, even though the Pacers scare us, they, that's a team that the Cavs are better than, that are yep. they are more talented than. And if they want to hit the kind of heights that we predicted in our season opener, they got to they gotta show up and they got to they gotta win those kinds of games. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And you need to overcome the adversity. You need to be able to win games when, when you're down one of your core four guys as they are here so started off on the right foot i'm really glad to, to get this w in the pocket uh it, it certainly makes things feel a whole lot better can you believe it carter this is our sixth full season covering the Cavs on, on the chase down podcast seventh overall because because we started a, a little late in, in 2017 but sixth for full season i can't believe it buddy what what a run it's been. Can't wait for this one. I think it's going to be a really fun year, bud. This might be one of the best Cavs teams that we have got to talk about on this podcast. I sure hope so. Uh, man, it's so great to have games to talk about. It, it, thank you to everyone that, that stayed up to, to listen to tonight's podcast live on YouTube. Make sure you Two like and hundo, subscribe. live in the YouTube. How about it? Jeez, Cavs fans are the absolute best. Make sure you're liking, subscribe, click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs. traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.